All right. Man, come on. Who's excited about 2020 in here? We are ready. We're ready to go. Hey, I know a few of you are at Christmas. Who went to Christmas Eve services? Yeah, it was awesome, right? Man, a lot of you went. This is amazing. We had an amazing Christmas Eve service. It was so great. And then we had our Volunteer Appreciation Sunday the following week. It was an opportunity for us just to love on all of our volunteers that week in and week out just pour their heart into everything that they do here at this church. So can we just give it up for all of our volunteers right now? Come on. You guys deserve it. It's amazing. I said to my son, I was, I was with my in-laws in Williamsburg, and they were getting ready to go to church, and I was like, I was like hey, let's, let's go to church with your grandparents. He's like, Dad, listen, Pastor Brandon told us to take the Sunday off. I'm going to take advantage of that. And so I was like, all right, son, I guess that's what we're going to do then. And so for all our volunteers, man, we love and appreciate you so much. And I know, listen, we're about to step into 2020, okay, this season of prayer for us as a church. I'm so excited about it. Today, I'm just going to spend some time unpacking a little bit of a prayer model. And so this is going to be a message that um, my hope is is just going to inspire us and excite us to step into this new year with prayer. But I thought we would start it off this way, just, just kicking off the new year, the first Sunday of the year, just receiving from God. So if you would just close your eyes, we're going to pray, we're going to receive. If you want to just kind of turn your hands, almost as in a place of just receiving from him. We're going to wait on him for a minute and then we're going to just pray into all that he wants to do this year in our lives. And so even put those things upon your mind right now, those things that maybe you're excited about for 2020, maybe some of the things that were difficult for you in 2019 that you want to see look different this year upcoming. And so we just put this before God right now. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for who you are for all that you've done, God, all that you're continuing to do in our lives. In fact, God, here's the truth. We're not going to step into anything else today unless we're stepping into it with you. So no matter where we've come from, no matter what we're doing in our life, Lord, no matter if we're close to you or we know you or just getting to know you or we've had a relationship with you for years, God, here's the truth. We can't do any of this without you. And so, Father, we step into this new year receiving. God, I pray this would be a year for so many families in this church, that, God, they would grow in a relationship with you, Father. They would get closer to you, that, God, they would know, Lord, that you are their Father, that you're the foundation of their life, that, Lord, nothing surprises you, that you know what is in store for this year. And I pray, God, that all of them would know, Lord, that as they partner with you, God, you are going to do the impossible in our lives. So, Jesus, may this be a year of us going deeper with you, getting closer to the heart of the Father. We love you, and we all say this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, give somebody a high five. Say, let's look out 2020. Let's do it. Come on. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, hey, it's a new year, so I'm sure a lot of you have set New Year's resolutions, right? And probably a lot of you have already abandoned them already, right? I know people did 815 service when they had those breakfast pizzas when they walked up in here. We made sure that they were going to start off their year breaking anything that maybe they put into place. I talked to one guy, and he was like, don't worry, I grabbed the vegetable breakfast pizza, okay? I'm still good with my resolution. But the truth is this, if, if you broke a New Year's resolution, that's okay, because that's very typical. In fact, I looked at a poll of 275,000 people at the start of 2020, and they came up with this top 10, this top 10 New Year's resolutions. For everybody in America, this is their top 10. I want you to check it out today. Here's number 10 of the New Year's resolutions. The first one is staying motivated. How many know we got to stay a little motivated, right? Especially coming off the Christmas break. We got to make sure we find that motivation to make some different changes. Here's number nine. Number nine's a good one. Upgrade my technology. Who's still rocking an iPhone 4 in this room? Be honest. Come on. Stay strong. You know soon they're not going to let you have that with those new iOS updates. So people, we want those iPhone 11s we want to roll. Here's number eight. It's to be a better person. People want to be nicer. They want to be better people. They want to be more enjoyable. Here's number seven. The seventh one is to be more healthy. Everybody knows this is a popular one, be more healthy. 
want to get things right in their own health and their eating rhythms. Here's number six is to be a happier person. This is part of that top 10. Again, 275,000 people polled. They want to be happier, more enjoyable. They want to be people that actually people want to be around. Here's number five. This is a popular one. Ready? Go to the gym. How many went to the gym and it was packed this week, right? First day. You know what's funny? I, I'm changing gyms. So I went on the first day in January to cancel my gym membership. It was great. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> I walk in at my, my Gold's gym and I'm like, hey, I'm here to cancel my membership. They're like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. I'm totally, like, right, you don't really look like you should cancel your membership. I'm just saying. That was, yeah. Here's number four, ready? This is lose weight or diet. Okay, that's a part of that rhythm. Maybe you wanna change. And I love this one. This is number three. It's very contradictory, all the other ones. Eat some of my favorite foods. In fact, I heard Katie say this is the year that she wants to have a resolution to eat as many carbs as she can. I love that. It's a great resolution. It's just real and honest. And so here's number two. Number two is to try something new. So people want to try something new. And for the last one, can you guys give me a little drum roll? Come on, drum roll for 2020. New Year's resolutions. Number one is actually doing my New Year's resolutions. Come on. You know that's so true. In fact, listen, 80% of people don't complete their New Year's resolutions. And they usually end by January 12th, okay? By January 12th, that happens. And so I think I've even learned in my life that a lot of reasons why if you set a goal or you have this idea, this is what things are going to look like, here's how it's going to be, I'm going to set this new pace and this new rhythm. Well, you have this goal, but what happens is you haven't actually created habits to achieve that goal. And so these two things actually need to live together. I, I read this book this past year that really kind of marked me. It's called Atomic Habits by a guy named James Clear. I just want to read you an excerpt from that book. He says, all big things come from small beginnings. The seed of every habit is a single tiny decision. But as that decision is repeated, a habit sprouts and grows stronger. Roots entrench themselves and branches grow. The task of breaking a bad habit is like uprooting powerful oak within us. And the task of building a good habit is like cultivating a delicate flower one day at a time. And so every single time you create a small rhythm, a little habit, it's like you're casting a vote for the person that you want to be. In fact, he says it this way. He says, a very small shift in direction can lead to a very meaningful change in destination. This is powerful and this is true. And so today, what I want to do is I want to start off with a habit that I think is so important for us as a church, that is so important for us as families, that is so important for us as individuals. And this is about the habit of prayer, of allowing prayer to become this routine, this rhythm of our life that we love, that we enjoy, that we go to. In fact, over the years, Pastor Brandon has really led our church in this mantra, if you will, or this prayer cry. And it's really just two words. And maybe if you've been here for a while, you've heard it. Or if you're new in church, this is your first time hearing it. This prayer cry is this, is that we would pray first. That this would be the first thing that we would do at the start of the year, that we would choose to go into the new year with a foundation laid of prayer. And I think this is so powerful because prayer is powerful. And so the question is, is what would your life be like if you woke up in the morning and you decided to pray first, right? What about if before you went to bed and laid your head to rest at night, the first thing you decided to do was pray first, right? Before you go into that appointment or have that meeting that you're supposed to have or that conversation, you would choose to say, hold on one second, before I go into this meeting, before I step into this situation I'm about to step into, I'm going to choose to take about 30 seconds and I'm going to pray first over the things that are about to happen. I'm going to know I'm going to invite God into everything that I'm doing. Maybe for some of you, you have to pray first before you send that Facebook post, right? Or you got to pray first before you shoot that email out. Sometimes you have to pray first and wait about a day before you post what you want to post to someone. 
And the truth is, in all our lives, we have to learn to pray first. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says it so well. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That they, God wants us to pray continually. A lot of times, this can be confusing because you're like, well, how do you always be praying? How do you always pray? Like, do you drive up to the drive-thru and pray your order out to the person who's receiving it, right? Like, do you go everywhere? Do you have conversations say, I can't talk to you because I'm praying? Well, no, the answer is, no, you don't constantly or physically praying, but that you enter every single situation in your life and you bathe it in prayer. No matter what it is, you bring it to God. In fact, we've heard Pastor Brandon say this several times, we want prayer to be this. We want it to be our first response, not our last resort. And a lot of times it's easy for it to become our last resort. I don't know about you, but I'll tell you, whenever I see a cop pulling up behind me after I've been speeding a little bit, the first thing I wanna do is pray at that moment. And we know it's true. It's easy for us to allow prayer to be that last response and not our actual first resort. And so today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about the importance of prayer. And even before I jump into it, I just want to even get a little serious with us as a church. Because the truth is, is we're living in a world that is full of peril. And there are moral dilemmas and things that are happening. If you look at the news, it's easy for us to even step into 2020 with worry and doubt and all this uncertainty of what's to come. But I want you to see in 2 Chronicles, God speaks to us in 7.13. He says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name, listen, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I want you to know that you have a role in your family. You have a role in your workplace. You have a role in this church, in society, to choose to pray first. And tomorrow, I'm excited because we're going to kick off a week of prayer. For those who are able to join us, and it works for your schedules, we're going to be here at 6.30 a.m. in the morning on Monday, all the way to Friday. And then Saturday, we're going to offer a time of prayer and worship together from 9 o'clock to 10, because we want to step into this new year knowing and understanding that our prayers are powerful, that they're effective, that they move the heart of God, and that God is for us, and all the things that we have desired in our heart, we know that as we come to God in prayer, he begins to attach those to his will and to his way. And so if you're in this room today and you wanna learn more about prayer, if you're in this room today and maybe you're saying, hey, I've been praying my whole entire life and it's become a little stagnant and ritualistic and like this is just a routine and the things that I do, I want you to know today we're gonna focus on prayer. Maybe you're even in this room and you're saying, hey, I don't necessarily always pray. And that is okay. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I don't even know how to pray. Or sometimes I feel a little uncomfortable when I pray. I remember when I was a kid, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I felt like the highlight was always on me to spend time and pray the best kind of prayers around people. You ever been in those circles where everybody has to pray, right? And like when it gets to you, or maybe even in those circles where people are squeezing hands when it's your turn to pray. And and you're in these circles and it's your turn to pray and you're like, all this pressure, this weight, this heat is on me to say the right words and that person already prayed when I wanted to pray and a lot of times, <laughs> come on, you know it's real, a lot of times it can get in your head and prayer becomes this thing of like, well, that's for pastors to do, that's for leaders to do, that's for the more spiritual people to do but I want you to know, even the disciples wanted to know how to pray. Check this out. In Luke 11, 1, they said to Jesus one day, they said one day Jesus was praying. Listen, he was praying. The disciples were watching him pray in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now think about this. These disciples grew up in religion their whole entire life. 
They were taught to recite and memorize prayers. But for them, prayer became this mundane thing, this obligation, this thing that they had to do. But when they saw Jesus praying, they were like, wait a second, there's something about the way that you pray, Jesus. It's not that they were asking Jesus, hey, teach us how to pray. They were asking him, teach us how to pray like you pray. Because when you pray, you're excited. When you pray, you're energetic. When you pray, you're passionate about stepping into things of God. And so Jesus responds to them with this amazing model of prayer that we find in Matthew. And it is the Lord's Prayer. And he turns to them and he says to them, listen, I want you to see this is how you pray. In fact, when you pray, I want you to know it's not about reciting this prayer, but it's about understanding the different topics in this prayer on how to pray. In fact, look at Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This is what Jesus says to them in response. When you pray, he says, start off and say, our Father in heaven. Take a minute, understand what that means. Move on to the next thing, how to be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Take a pause, pray a little bit into what that means in your life and what it looks like to bring heaven down to earth. Move down to the next thing. Give us today our daily bread, the things that I need. God, forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so God was giving to them this great revelation of how to pray. When you pray, you break it down. You spend some time. And so today, what I want to do just real briefly is I want to highlight the Lord's Prayer and how it's broken down to us and how when we take time in our busy life, when we wake up in the morning, when we go to sleep at night, when we pause and reflect throughout the day, we have a great model of prayer that we can anchor into that is straight from the heart of God. So let's look at this. This is the first thing he says. He says, our Father in heaven. Think about this. Our Father in heaven. God could have said so many things. He could have said, you address the Lord as master, as savior. But he says, I want you to come to God and address him as father. And this is really what it means. It means that we got to learn how to connect with God relationally. And a lot of times, this is tough for us. Let's be real. Sometimes we think of God as this God who's seated so far away from us. And the only time that he interacts with our lives is when we've messed up. Come on, how many believe that sometimes? The only time he wants to actually interject into our lives is when I've screwed up, when I've done the wrong thing. And so God, as Jesus is saying to his disciples that day, he's saying to us, you need to understand that God is actually your heavenly father. And he's displaying to the disciples that actually when you come to God, address him as father. He loves it when you come to him as father. It's something that he desires from us, something that he loves. You know, my kids are at a stage where they'll run in the room and they'll jump on my lap or when I come home from work, they'll run to me and give me a hug and they'll kind of snuggle up. And I just, I just love that as a father. I love it so much. And I want you to know that God, he desires that spiritually from us as well. That we don't just approach God in like the King James Version, like, oh, Heavenly Father, how thou art star today. And you approach God with like all this reverence and understanding, and we think that it's in the language that we show God reverence. And the truth is, the way that we show God reverence is actually being intentional about spending time with him. And so we come to God as Father because he is this great Heavenly Father, and he desires this from us. You know, a lot of times as a parent, I'll have like these conversations with my kids about logistics, like I'm going here, or, I want to do that, or we're going to do this today, or when do we go to practice, and all these conversations, come on parents, you know, sometimes your day can go by and it's just about what are we doing or how are we doing it, but every now and then, my kids surprise me, I'll be in my office working, and they'll run in the room, and they'll just kind of plop themselves down on the, on the couch, and they'll just sit there, and they'll just look, and they'll just say, hey dad, and I'm like, what's up son, <laughs> like what do you need, nothing, I just wanted to see how you're doing. I just want to know how your day was. And I'm like, 
listen, whatever you want, it's yours, because you're my favorite in this moment, right? <laughs> like, it's whatever it is. And I, I want you to know, like, when we approach God, there, there's just, he, he's a relational being. I want you to understand that, just like you are. Just like you invest in relationships, God loves to invest in relationships. In fact, Romans 8.15 really clarifies this for us. It says, you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba Father. So those who are in Christ, those who have asked the Lord to come in their life, to become their personal savior, I want you to know, you move from like servants and slaves. We move to children. We are now sons and daughters of the Most High. And it's not because of anything that we've done, but it's simply because of his grace and his love and his mercy for us. And I want you to know, that is the gospel and that is the truth that no matter how far gone we are, we're never too far from God's reach. And he gathers us and he brings us in. And he says, no, listen, no longer are you just this. Now you are a part of my family. And so we approach God relationally because he sees us as his children. The next thing we see is Jesus says, how to be your name, right? He uses this word, how to be your name. And pretty much what this means is, is that we have to learn to worship his name. We've got to learn to worship the name of God because his name is a powerful name. It's a mighty name. And so when we come into his presence, not only do we connect with him relationally, now we shift our focus and we say, God, your name is powerful. I think about even in my own context of being a parent, when I tell one of my kids to clean their room, they'll go, if they go into the room and they tell their other siblings, hey, it's time to clean your room, you know they're not going to really listen to that, right? They're just going to keep doing what they're doing. But if they go in there and say, hey, listen, dad says to clean your room, you better believe they're going to get going and they're going to begin to clean the room because there's power in the name of the father. There's power in the name of God. In fact, Proverbs 18.10 says this so well. It says, God's name is a place of protection the righteous can run there and be safe. That's what God's name is. I want, I want you to know that today. God's play, name is a place of protection that no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you're experiencing, when you run to God, it's like a place of refuge. He's a strong tower that we can run into no matter what life brings your way. And let me tell you, life will bring things our way and we will need to know and stand upon the name of God and recognize that he is a place of protection, that he is refuge. You know, there's many names of God, and I've even learned in my life that I have to begin to pray the names of God. And a lot of times we can miss by this. So I just want to show you a few of the names of God that we find through the scriptures. And many times as I pray the names of God, I'll go through these names and I'll say, God, you're the righteousness, Lord. You're the God of righteousness. In fact, I can be in right standing with you and my perfection is not because of me, but it's because of your son, Jesus, who is now righteous within me. That God, you're my sanctifier. You're the one that makes me right. You're the one that gives me reconciliation back to the Father. It's not because of anything that I could have ever done, but I work on my salvation in fear and trembling because you're my sanctifier. And then I shift focus and I say, listen, God, you're, you're Yahweh Rapha, right? You're my healer. You're the God who heals me not only physically, but even emotionally and spiritually. I can't even be saved, God, on my own accord, but I'm saved because you are the God who is our healer. That, God, you're this banner. You're this banner of victory in my life that I don't worship for victory. I actually have a chance, God, because of your name, to worship from a place of victory. That, God, you're my shepherd, as it says in Psalms 23, I shall not want. You made me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You're a God that knows exactly what I need and you lead me. You're the director of my life. I'm not in charge. You're in charge. You're the great shepherd that even when I go off on my own, you will come and search and find me. That you're the God of peace, right? That I will search the world for so many things, but God, when I pray your name, you're my prince of peace. You're the one that brings peace into every single situation in my life. And Lord, you're my provider. 
Even in seasons of lack, God, your name is powerful because you are my provider. You're the God that knows exactly what I need and you love to deliver that. And then the last one here is one of my favorite ones and it's a real name of God, it's Yahweh Shema. And what this really means is that you're a God that's there. How many are thankful that we serve a God that is alive and well, a God that's present, a God that is there with us through it all? And you see, there's power in understanding the names of God because we can go through our prayer time and just simply oppress, addressing God is, is just is only God. And he is God. He is Lord of everything. But there's so much to who he is. There's power in his name. He's Father. He's God. He's all of these things. And when we pray this, we begin to understand the power of God, the wonder-working power of God. And then the next thing Jesus goes into, and he really loves it when we pray this way, he goes, your kingdom come, right? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Check it out. I want you to know God wants us to come to him this way because he doesn't want to only be dumped on like he doesn't know what's happening in our life. Like, you know, those people, as soon as you ask them, like, how are you doing? It's like, well, let me tell you, all these things happened. My car broke down, this took place, and that took place, and all these things happened in my life, right? And when that happens, you begin to say, okay, I'm not really sure I'm gonna ask that person again how their life is going, now, it's not that God doesn't want to hear what's happening in our heart. Please, he, he knows everything that's happening. But when we come to God, this is what he wants us to do. He says, I want you to pray my agenda first. I want you to come to me and say, you know what? In the morning, God, I want to partner with you. Like there's a long list of things that I have right now that I want to talk about, and I'm going to get to those in a minute. But Lord, the first thing I want to do is I want to know what is your agenda for me today? What are the things that you've placed in my life what are the rhythms and the momentums of what's happening in my workplace, in my home, in my city, in my nation? How do you want me to partner, God, with what you are doing? And when we shift our focus to that, we recognize that God has a prayer list. And this is really important. I want you to write this down. You ready? God has a prayer list. Here's what it is. His prayer list is others. A lot of times we can be so focused in our prayer time only on us that we can forget to pray for other people. In fact, I really believe that I'm actually a product of praying grandparents that I'm standing here today because of people who spent time praying for me. There's seasons in my life where I was far from God, running from him, and I believe that I stand here today because I had people that took the time to pray my name. In fact, funny story about me in the summers, I used to go to my grandparents' house every single summer as I was a kid, and as I grew up, like my family told me it's because I love to go there for the summers, you know? And then I found out that they used to take road trips and wouldn't bring me because I got car sick, right? I mean, come on, how messed up is that? All these family pictures of them going to the Grand Canyon. I'm like, where was I? And they're like, you were at Nana and Grandpa's house. And I was like, why? Like, well, because you really like being there. I was like, thanks a lot. <laughs> and so I promise I have no animosity towards that at all. And so in the summers, I would spend the summers with my grandparents. And I remember waking up in the mornings to them praying my name, my brother's names. And I know that they spend time praying for people. And God has put this on our heart and he said, listen, I want you to know that your prayer is effective. It's powerful. Don't give up on it. Don't just pray for that person one time or maybe two times, but come to God and say, God, what is your agenda? What do you want me to pray for today? Maybe there's some unforgiveness and some hurt that somebody has done to you in your own life. God says, I want you to pray for them. In fact, we see this in Matthew 6, Check this out. God says to us, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, okay? This is hard for us because what we want to do is we want to jump to the second part here and all these things will be given to you. We want to jump to the things that are going to be given to us. How are things going to be made right in my life? But Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to understand, I came to serve, and so I'm going to teach you through prayer time that you are also to serve others by praying for them. 
And so seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So today, what do I do? I pray for my city. Today, I pray for my family. Today, I pray for my nation. I pray for leaders. I pray for my small group leaders. I pray for my pastors. I pray for my wife. I pray for my kids. I pray for any situation that has somebody attached to it that I need to pray for. That's what I do today. And then Jesus moves on to this next thing. He gets to the place of what we actually need. And he says this, give us this day our daily bread. He says, now move into this moment where I know what the desires of your heart are. I know the things that you need. Even though I know them, I still want you to pray for them. I still want you to be very specific because when we're specific in our prayer time and we begin to list them, we realize this, that we've got to depend on him for everything. You may be in this room and you may have so many needs. You're like, this is easy for me. I need to depend on God because I'm not sure what's gonna happen tomorrow or next week. But maybe you might be in this room and you're like, you know what, I actually am good to go. I've done pretty well in life. I have a great, successful background. I'm doing okay. There's not many things that I actually need. This is why this is so important for us to pray that we need you, God, in our life, no matter how successful or how well off we may be or how much in lack we may be. Every single day when we pray, God, give us this day our daily bread, the things that I need today, even the things that I already have, even if you have things, you begin to pray for the things that you have because what it does is it makes you realize that you didn't get those on your own. That God didn't establish that in your life just because of your abilities, but he partnered with you. He partnered with you. That's what God loves to do. He doesn't need us to do anything, but he loves to work together with us to accomplish his will in our life. And so we have to look to him. In fact, Psalms 121 says it so well. The psalmist says this. He goes, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and made earth. You know, in Israel, the... Um, the seat of the government was actually on the hill. And so David is referring to this as like, does my help come from Capitol Hill, right? No, it doesn't. My help comes from the Lord, the one who made heaven, the one who made earth, the one who has created everything. This is where my help comes from. So in our life, we've got to recognize we're not doing this on our own. We've got to recognize that God is close by, that God loves us, that God is for us. And a lot of times it's easy for us just to get away from prayer time, to move away from prayer time and just go through the motions of life. And when we need God, what happens is instead of us praying first, we go to him when it's just crisis, when it's just a last resort. And let me tell you, if that's you, that's okay because God's gonna meet you there. In fact, I've realized in my life that even if I've had a season and I've had seasons in my life where I've been in the word of God and I've been praying and then there's been seasons in my life where I've been distracted, there's been seasons where I haven't been so good at being disciplined and going to God and, and there have been seasons in my life where maybe I haven't even enjoyed it because it's felt more like an obligation. Here's what I've learned in all those seasons. God always allow you to pick up right where you left off. That's the most amazing thing about our relationship with God. As he says, listen, just come. All you are weary and tired and heavy laden, I'm gonna give you rest, right? He says, partner with me, come, and we're gonna pick up exactly where we left off. I'm not gonna be there saying, where you been all this time? It's about time you make this as a New Year's resolution. It's about time you step into it. You're in this crisis situation. This just happened to you. Yeah, that's why you're coming to me now. That's not how God responds to us at all. God says, we're gonna do this together. But this is the challenge for us as a church is to say, you know what? We're not gonna just come to God in times of crisis only. We're gonna come to God daily. We're gonna create this rhythm and this habit in our life to choose, to pray first, to make decisions together, even in the good times and in the bad times. God, we're gonna look to you 
and we're gonna pray. God, Jesus continues on in this prayer and he says this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And this is a great one. This is a challenging one because it's actually two parts and it's easy for us, right, to lose sight that this is two parts, but check this out. He's teaching us that we've gotta get our heart right with God and get our heart right with people, that there's two parts of this. You know, and I've realized that even in my own life, I have to pray this prayer in such a way that I pray it like this. God, don't ever allow me to become desensitized to sin. Don't let me come to a place where I'm doing things in my life that I don't even recognize are in contrary to your word or contrary to who you are. Or maybe you're in this room and you've been battling a habitual sin. There's something going on in your life that you know is not right, that you've been doing, but you're too afraid to expose it. There's no better place to do that than with the Father. There's no better place to do that than to bring that right before God and say to him, God, I wanna confess these things to you. Yes, I'm feeling ashamed. Yes, I'm feeling guilty, but I wanna bring this to you. And I want you to know if you're in this room and you've experienced shame or you've experienced guilt, hear this this morning. You were never intended to carry that. You were never intended to carry that. So as you enter 2020, shake off that shame, shake off that guilt by going to God and praying first and recognizing that he never intended us to carry that shame and guilt. In fact, from the first day in Genesis, you see Adam and Eve walking together and they're in perfect harmony, but it isn't until they sin that they realize that they're naked and they begin to hide from God. And God says to them, where are you, right? And they say, God, we're afraid, we're hiding from you. That's guilt and shame. We were never intended to carry that. But when we come to God with our confessions, when we come to him with the things in our heart that we're wrestling with, let me tell you, he is just and he is graceful to forgive us. And every time we come to him, he looks at us and he pulls us up. And we recognize that we cannot do this. We can't conquer this sin. We can't white knuckle it on our own. And maybe you're stepping in 2020 and there's a few things you want to break. Hey, I got some addictions. I got some things I got to just lay off of me right now. Here's my encouragement for you. Confess. It's a discipline that we can easily lose sight of. And in the Lord's prayer, God tucks it in there. He says, not only confess your sins, but also ask for forgiveness. And then he moves on and he says, forgive others as well. Because when we forgive others, there's another layer of freedom that we experience. You see, Jesus came to forgive us. And he says, if I've forgiven you, now you gotta go also and do the same thing. And so maybe there's some people in your life that have offended you. Maybe there's some people that have hurt you, some people that irritate you, that get underneath your skin. You gotta go to the Father and you gotta say, Lord, even though I don't want to, even though I wanna hang on to this bitterness, even though I wanna hang on to this unforgiveness, God, I wanna receive forgiveness on behalf of this person. And when we do that, everything begins to change. Maybe you have to ask for pre-forgiveness, right? In advance for some people. Because you know you're gonna encounter some people that are just gonna rub you the wrong way at work or at home. You know you're gonna wake up and so you're gonna ask for prayer. You're gonna ask for forgiveness in advance for those offenses and for those hurts. And when you start doing that, if you do that every single day when that person sees you, they're gonna be like, man, something's different about you. And in your head, you're gonna be like, yeah, it's different because I pray for forgiveness before I saw you today. <laughs> forgiveness is huge. And when we approach the Lord's Prayer, we realize in fact, 1 John 1.9 says it so well. We realize this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Listen, there's nothing too big. No matter what you're wrestling with, there's nothing too big. And in the season of Pray First, the challenge is this, is step into a time where you're gonna bring this to God and you're gonna say, God, I gotta offload this off my shoulders. I gotta get this off my chest because there's some things that I need to get right with you and right with other people. As Jesus begins to get close to wrap this up, he says this next, he says, do not lead us into temptation, right? 
but deliver us from the evil one. This is, this is kind of a tricky one because this is in the greatest translation because the truth is this, is God doesn't lead us into temptations. The actual Greek says this, it says, do not allow me to be led into temptation. It literally means, God, today I'm going to have a chance to sin. I'm gonna have a chance to be tempted. And Lord, as those chances come, as those temptations come, here's what I'm asking of you. Do not allow me to be led into those things. Be close by so that in the moment of my temptation, I can reach out to you and I can know that you're a God that's ready to pull me out of that temptation. He says, approach me this way because I want you to see this today. We have to every single day engage in spiritual warfare. No matter if you realize it or not, there's a great adversary out there that wants to destroy your life. The Bible talks about it. This is a new news. In John 10, it says that he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. First Peter, we see him lurking around like a roaring lion, seeing who he can devour. There's an enemy out there that's working so hard to destroy our lives, and sometimes he's working harder to destroy our lives than we are from keeping him from destroying our lives. Let me tell you, it's not about our ability and not our might. It's not about how hard you work or, hey, I gotta do things differently or I gotta look the other way or I gotta act. No, it's about prayer. It's about us stepping into a battlefield that begins and ends with prayer, recognizing that our power comes from the Lord. In fact, Ephesians 6.12 says it so well. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a war raging around us. In fact, even in these moments at times, there's spiritual warfare happening. If you've ever been easily distracted on the way to church on a Sunday morning, that's a small glimpse of spiritual warfare. We're not trying to say that every single thing is spiritual warfare. Uh, Pastor Brandon said this many times. Listen, if your car breaks down and it happened because you didn't put oil in it, whose fault is that, right? That's not the devil's fault. But the truth is, spiritual warfare is a real thing. And for us as a church, for us as husbands and wives, as leaders, as parents, as sons and daughters, as we step into 2020, we must know and understand that when we pray, it's like we're putting on the full armor of God. We're protecting ourselves, we're protecting our families from all the schemes that the enemy may have towards us. And Jesus begins to wrap this up at the end and he says this pretty much in the same way that he began. He says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Let's say this together. Ready? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It is this declaration of faith. Let me tell you right now. It's this declaration of faith and it does this. It expresses faith in God's ability. I want you to know God has an ability and he is able to do exceedingly more than you could ever ask or imagine inside your life this year. In 2020, I want you to know as you lean into prayer, you're gonna realize that there is a God that can do the impossible and as we partner with him, nothing, nothing is impossible for him. Makes me think time and time again of just that great passage in John that says, God, you're the vine and I'm the branches. Apart from you, I can't do anything. I want you to know, church, when we move away from prayer, when we don't make it a priority and it isn't a habit in our lives, it's almost as if we're saying, God, I got this. I can do this on my own. And I don't need you until I need you. But when you abide in him and he abides in you, there's this great promise. You're going to bear fruit. 
you're gonna see changes take place in your life. It's not this promise of like, hey, you're gonna be this successful person, you're gonna have all this abundance in your life. It's not about that, it is actually about abiding with God and the outcome of that is this great fruit that takes place in your life and the desires of your heart actually become his desires and the things that he's placed in your life are there not because you've brought them there but because God has brought them there. This declaration really tells us, it says it so well in Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. No matter what you're facing as you step into 2020, I want you to know, nothing is too hard for him. So let's lean into prayer, church. Let's not make this an agonizing thing. Let's recognize that God is inviting us into this season. He's saying, I'm inviting you into this season of prayer. And we're gonna kick it off in such a great way. We're gonna kick it off in recognizing through communion today as we close that we can't do this on our own. That if it wasn't for his son Jesus who came to earth and died on a cross, who was obedient to death, even death on the cross, if it wasn't for him and the resurrection life that happened, we wouldn't even be able to be here today. And so God, our first act as we come forward is gonna be this. It's gonna be responding to the communion table. So if you would just stand with me today. As we get ready to close and our team comes to close us in worship. I want to just pray this prayer over you as we step into 2020. As you come to communion, as you step out of this room, I want you to know you are not walking alone. You are walking in step and in conjunction with God, the creators of the heavens and earth. You're stepping with a God that loves you, that's for you. You're stepping with a God who's victorious. You're stepping with a God who is faithful and just. And no matter where you're at in your life, no matter how close you are to him, no matter how far you are to him, I want you to hear this. Listen, there are more levels. God has more of his presence for you this year. There's more things that he has in store. And so create this habit. Let's pray together. Let's be a church that is actually gonna go after the heart of God in prayer. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that you're a God that's for us, that you're a God that walks with us, that you're a God that's beside us, Lord, that we can enter 2020 with no fear, God. It doesn't mean that the reality of uncertainties and different things that seem a little shaky in our life aren't there. No, they may be there, but we can walk into 2020 knowing, Father, that you are with us and that you're a God that's for us and that you're a God that walks beside us. So, Lord, as we lean into your presence, may this be one of the greatest launches to a season of prayer that we've ever experienced in this church, in our lives, and we ask this all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Why don't you come and receive this morning?